And we're back! Again! Again. Part 2. <laughs> 2.0. You're listening to Lights, Camera, Cleveland. I'm Rob Alderman. With me as always, the Hollywood Slinky. With him as always, AMC Mike. And for those of you who didn't get to hear our podcast last week, <laughs> in answer to the question that was raised at the beginning, yes. <laughs> You're welcome. It's so true. <laughs> it's beyond It's beyond true. Um, we recorded last week to make our triumphant return. It was so triumphant. And we were so full of... Returning. That, that's exactly the word I was going to say. We were full of so much returning. There was joviality and return. There was laughter. We, we talked about some stuff. I think it may have been the best podcast we've ever done. There was even moviness. <laughs> there was movie things. At one point we reviewed a thing. You know, and it was all incredible. We gave opinions. But the file was corrupted. Right. We were we were attacked from the outside. The truth is that I will I will bear the blame. Uh, I was the one that was meant to mix the show, and uh, it got locked up, and it kept telling me that I couldn't. So here's the deal. Last week, uh, I had to pick the topic, because we always open with, with one of us picking a topic. And so because I picked last week... And the file got corrupted. I have decided, on behalf of everyone here, that this week, the topic is going to be picked by the <laughs> Cinelinx card game. Oh, okay. okay. There's this new card game. I don't know. I kickstarted it last year. I, I paid into the Kickstarter and got it. It's called Cinelinx. I've not gotten to play it yet. I don't know if it's any good. It looks like it's fun. It looks like a cross between Domino's and, like, a movie trivia game. Wait, Pizza? No, the... Oh. Yeah. So, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pick a card, because they're all movie things, and whatever that card is, that is the topic. So, Rob, if you would... Uh... I'm ready. I'm ready. Cinelix, pick a topic. Ready, go! Denzel Washington, actor. <laughs> that's... <laughs> that's... That's... Well, that's it? That's, that's it. The topic is Denzel Washington. Actor. I like Denzel. I mean, (laughs) Denzel's good. I don't think it's fair to say he's hit or miss because he's more hit. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of bad Denzel. Uh, What do you think? You don't know. You're rapidly pulling up the the internet movie database. There's a reason I'm pulling up. There is a reason I'm pulling up the internet movie database. What, is, what has he done last? That was why I was pulling yeah. up the internet movie like, database. Wasn't He's he got the, one coming he was, out. But he, didn't he do the train last, he the was, train thing? He is in The Equalizer, which yeah, the Equalizer. is about to come out. Yeah. Um, but before that, gosh. Okay, for those of us that don't know what The Equalizer is. Um, it's kind of like Man on Fire was. Like, they're saying like it's kind of a return to that character. Mm. You know, kind of gritty, copy, sort of. Like, it's what he does right. good. It's what he does very well. Yeah, right. he's like a guy, and he meets this girl, and this girl is, like, under the control of, like, the Russian mafia. Right. And he's like, well, I can't, I'm not down with that. Right. And so he, like. <laughs> that was a great Denzel Washington like, voice, by the way. <laughs> Hey, y'all. Hello, my babies. <laughs> and so he, like, rolls up to, like, save right. the day. And if and you don't go up against the, cool the Russian thing mob, is that you know, Denzel, Denzel does this sort of thing without getting tired in the way that, like, Liam Neeson has. Oh, so right? tired. Like, right. like, when Denzel does this, he's always at his best. You're very glad because the characters don't seem the same. He's just good at it. Right. You know, whereas with Liam, it feels like it's... 
his special set of skills over right. and over you know and that, over again. Here's the, the, the often forgot fact about Denzel Washington that I think is really neat. Is, you know, he got his start on St. Elsewhere. He was on St. Elsewhere really? for like six years. Yes, he right? was. He was, yeah. he was. He was token African-American doctor right, yeah. on yep. St. Elsewhere in the 80s for like six or seven years. The whole run of that show. I just I find that interesting because, you know, we forget because that was so, you know. Yeah. He's come so far. You know, one of the things I, that we talk about all the time, uh, too, I'm on the board of directors at the Boys and Girls Club. And Denzel was... Shout a, out. What? what? Uh, Denzel was a product of the Boys and Girls Club, so he's a huge advocate for right. it and for after-school programs. You know, he's a latchkey kid. And so, um, you know, Denzel rocked the Boys Club. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm looking up his list of awards. Um, are you ready for this? Sure. I'm going to throw this down. He won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor in Glory. Yep. And he won the Academy Award. We forget this. He won the Best Actor Award for Training Day. And this is what I mean. This is what he's so good at, right? Like, gritty cop thing. Like, when it comes to gritty cop movies, he's he's the best. Like, you don't want to see one that's, you know, not Denzel. He also, he was nominated for Cry Freedom. He was nominated but didn't win for Malcolm X. <laughs> He was nominated. Who in the world won against him? Then? He was nominated but didn't win for the hurricane. And he was nominated but didn't win for flight. So apparently he wins Gritty Cop, but he doesn't win for struggling black man fighting white man's oppression. <laughs> Wait, so it would be interesting to see who he... Is, it, is flight the one where he's the... The pilot that yeah. had the... Where he rolls the plane upside down and to to get it to right. crash safely. And then later, you we find, find out like that he was, he was drunk. Yeah, yeah. drunk the, the whole time. And the, Well, but the real... The, the moral dilemma of that of that film is brilliant. Um, it, because the moral dilemma is that as they investigate, they actually discover that uh, a sober pilot would never have thought outside the box enough, enough to, to, to do that. that maneuver. Right, correct, right. And that he was only, it only occurred because, like, they were lucky he was drunk that right. night. Right. Now, interestingly so, so enough. It's, it's a great movie. Have you guys seen it? Denzel, yeah. yeah, yeah it's, right. it's a great I unfortunately movie. walked in at the very end, so I only saw, like, the last sure. 15 minutes of it when you were watching It's it, a so, difficult yeah. film. Right, yeah, but, it is. But it's good. So, I, I want to talk a little bit about his lesser-known awards. Okay. Um, he's won almost every Black Reel Award that there is to win. Sure. Um, one for the Hurricane, one for Remember the Titans, one for Training Day, one for uh, Antoine Fisher, which he was the director of Antoine Fisher, yeah. and one for Flight. Um, he's also won some Golden Globes, both for the Hurricane and for Glory. You know, people don't, you know, Glory was like, what's up? Like, that was, you know, that was the big Denzel. Right, breaking into film like what's up? I'm not just on General Hospital or whatever anymore. Uh, General Hospital, and uh, or what was he on? It wasn't General Hospital. It was just saying elsewhere. Um, He's won a couple of MTV Movie Awards for Malcolm X and for Training Day. He was nominated for the Pelican Brief for Most Desirable Male, but he didn't (laughs) win. He didn't. Just saying, I would let him eat crackers Um, in my bed. He shared the nomination with Tom Hanks for the Best On Screen Duo for Philadelphia. So just something to think about. Uh, and then here's where he really shines. is in the NAACP Image Awards. <laughs> so 
<laughs> he won for power, one for glory, one for Mississippi Masala, one for Malcolm X, one for Crimson Tide, one for Courage Under Fire. Was nominated for uh, he got game, but didn't win. Uh, one for the Hurricane, one for Remember the Titans, one for Training Day, one for John Q. Public, one for Antoine Fisher, one for the Great Debaters, and one for Flight. All right, so fa- I'm just saying that's a lot of wins. Favorite Denzel film. Man on Fire. For me. Man on Fire. Glory. Although, I, I, like, I I truly, I truly, truly love Training Day. I gotta go with Fallen. Fallen. <laughs> that's the... Fallen's so good. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's a cop film. It's a police procedural. Yeah. What? But he's chasing, like, a... A demon. A, a demon that's, like, hopping bodies. Through oh, cops. yeah! Yeah! Uh, is yeah. on my side. Yeah. Made that song so, so creepy. creepy. Yeah, and that that's a terrifying movie, and it is my second favorite Denzel Denzel movie. There was a, you know, Training Day is just so tragic at the like it's so good, and then at the end it, it hurts so bad that I just can't get past. It's my favorite. Sure, it's my favorite. You know. So uh, what do we have from AMC, Mike? What'd you say? I said Glory. Oh what? You chose the original. Yep. yep. So that's good. Yeah, I love Fallen. Fallen's so good. So good. I might watch Fallen tonight. <laughs> I don't know if it's Netflixy or not. I'm gonna find out. Because I just I just imagine all of your all of your tweets and Facebook pages are like, no one touch me. <laughs> right. Ah! You know, we should have a Denzel Fest. Like going down that list, it's like easy to see why like he's so revered. Right. Like his list of films is for real. Yeah. Yeah, even you know? he may not. We may not think of him when we think of like the breakout superstars, right? But when you look at the list of but accomplishments, he's steady. yeah. Well, and uh, how many best actor nominations and wins? Like there were a ton. Yeah. So it's did like, he do any stinkers? Oh yeah, he did Virtuosity. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I didn't see that Virtuosity. was the that was the one uh, with um, where Russell Crowe played the computer program right. that was killing people. <laughs> I remember it. I remember it, but I didn't see it. That's the that's the uh, I got to look at the list now because that's the one that I remember. Um, I'm not seeing a bunch that I would call stinkers, right? There um, there are some that are not as good. Well, yeah, but um, he's been pretty careful. I mean, really, like when you talk about like, the siege, that's a stinker. I love the siege. I would not box office flop. You know what? Here's the thing: is the head of its time. You love the siege because you've seen it since nine eleven. But I saw it pre nine eleven. Uh, see, I saw it pre nine eleven and thought it was terrible. I loved it. I loved it. It was haunting to me, and much worse after nine eleven. Yeah, he's you also know. in Deja Vu. You know the uh, that's the what's the he jo- in? Deja Vu. What's he in? Deja Vu. That was good. Yeah, I didn't see. Yeah, no, that was good. Uh, he plays like a, a cop that goes back in time to stop a murder or something. Um, As I look through this, man, I just don't see a lot of stink. A lot of stinkers. Oh, that's like, good. I, you know, deja vu. We've got two stinkers we can agree on, and one that is critically and box officely a stinker, but is perhaps socially debatable. Yeah, I was gonna say like when you when you think about. The siege, like it took a lot of 
flack from critics because of its political stances, not because the film was bad. And I think at the particular time it was released, it just wasn't. It's it's that movie's ahead of its time right. for sure. You know, it's 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 eerily applicable to our life now. You know, so well done, well me. done, Cinelinks. Good job, yeah. Cinelinks. Yay. We may we may from time to time let Cinelinks. Uh, yeah. Perhaps run a segment. No, that's not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> Listen, we're going to be we'll back be a four with a four-person uh, podcast. We'll be back with months. like uh, some box office numbers and preview reviews and all sorts of fun things uh, after the break. But before we come back, we're definitely going to check the file and make sure that uh, <laughs> make sure that this this podcast is good. Right, so we oh, hope that we're here. So if you'll forgive us for just a moment, we need to press open Apple S. We'll be right back. Lights, camera. Cleveland. No, not control off delete. My daddy played poker in the woods, they say, back in his younger days. Prohibition was the talk, but the rich folks walked to the woods where my daddy stayed. Jugs and jars some shiners. These old boys here, they ain't miners. They came from the 29ers that didn't take a hole. Listen to Lights Camera Cleveland, and it's the file is maybe saving. Hopefully. Or maybe not. I mean, it's definitely saving. We just don't know where. We're not certain where. Like, there's a lot of things we're unaware of, kind of like the box office numbers. Should I hit you with some? I'm unaware of them. Please make us aware. I would be glad if you would hit me. Number five, Chappie. Open, uh, opened with, well, it didn't open last week. It's actually, it's its second week out. Uh, Chappie brought in $5.7 million, bringing its two-week total to $23.3 million. Not a strong turnout. He took a brutal week, didn't he? Yeah, he, he did. was doing okay last week, but Chappie's not Chappie no bueno. Opened at, number, opened at number one, dropped to five. Ouch. Number four, Focus. Bringing in $5.7 million. It's three-week total, $44 million. Uh, anybody have any idea what Focus is about other than, like, it's about Will Smith for an hour and a half? Yeah, that's I can't it, do it. I can't deal. Is that all right? Yeah. Is it cool that I just can't deal with Focus? <laughs> Isn't it some sort of, like, a mob something? I don't know. I, you know, I think the millennials say this one best when they say, I can't even. Number three, Kingsman, The Secret Service, bringing in $6.2 million. There you go. Five, a better than last week. Five-week total, $107 million. So that I want to see that so badly. Uh, that was do? doing well for, for this far out. I'm not afraid of it. I'll check you out, Kingsman. Number two. Number two, opened last week, Run All Night, $11 million. I don't even think I know that one. Well, we preview reviewed it. Yeah, we did. Which one was that uh, one? Did we lose the memory with the file? <laughs> I don't know which one was that one. I remember the one about the guy, the 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 don't follow me or it follows. Right, it follows, which opened at number thirty. Well, it, it opened on, <laughs> Are like, you kidding me? To, yeah, it's like five screens. Uh, yeah, though. I was gonna say it's only it's coming to the Chattanooga Film Festival. Right, right. Run all nights. The new uh, Liam Neeson film. 
Oh, that's why she, I didn't remember it. Yeah, which she has a special set of skills right. pl- playing but, the same role. Yes, over but this and over time again. he's protecting his son. <laughs> it's completely different, Slinky. I don't expect you to understand, Carrie. <sighs> Liam has such a set of skills. He's got and something. Opening at number one is sixty-seven point nine million dollars. Cinderella. It did okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, did it did all right. Did all right. We'll see how it does. We'll see how many people feel like they got to take their daughter a second time. <laughs> you know, I can only say this: after giving it a, a thorough hate on the show last week, um, I sure as heck ended up seeing it two days later. <laughs> right. Well, you know, Cinder- <laughs> I was like, I'm just not going to go see this because I'm just not that into the story. And then, sure as heck, there I was watching Cinderella. Well, it opened at sixty at what just shy of sixty eight million dollars, um, which is pretty close to what Maleficent did. You know, Maleficent uh, opened at like sixty nine four. I didn't know that. So you know, pretty close um, when you consider that this is kind of the second film in the the Disney right. run of Let's Adapt Our Cartoons. You know, you know, I really liked it, guys. I know you guys went to see it too. What Dakota think? Uh, well, I, we we'll just have to wait to talk about that in a later segment called oh. "We All Saw a Movie and It Was the okay. Same One." So let's talk about it. <laughs> what? My bad. I didn't mean to jump the gun. It's all right. Um. Well, to just I have a I have a five year old. You didn't anticipate <laughs> me seeing a movie, <laughs> right? I didn't think you were even gonna make it to one. So uh, I keep telling Carrie, I wish we'd get divorced so that I could have weekends without the kids like you guys do. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and that gets edited out of the podcast. <laughs> no, because he'll say it again. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Look, I'm just. Saying, I have the paperwork ready, buddy. <laughs> Best wedding present ever. We've, we've, for our, at our wedding, one of my cousins got me a one of those a do-it-yourself divorce paperwork. Like, but it's like an actual, it's an actual legal forms to do it yourself. For like, if if yeah, what a great wedding gift, right? It was, That's horrific. It was awesome. It was the cousin I always teased. So I mean, it was appropriate. Okay, that, you okay. know, like. Uh, my mom didn't care for it, but we thought it was hysterical. So mm. there you have it. There you have it. <laughs> so. And so, like when we argue, it always comes up. So yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Well, movies. There you have it. We've successfully made it through the second segment. Right. Let's see if we can show. save this one. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if this the podcast continues to save, and if uh, you know, I mean, we'll be back after Hopefully. this. Like that's what we do. Or we could lose the file. That's also it what could we happen. do. That's it, also it, what we do. Both are true, and we'll just have to see which one pans out. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Lights, Camera, Cleveland. I watch the rain and settle in, disappear for days again. Most of us will stay in lazy like the sky. Letters flew across the wire. Filtered through a million lies The whole world smelled like burning tires The day John Henry died They knew about that big machine That ran on human hope and steam That's on John, far between Mostly on the side We heard he put up 
We're so bad. I was every time, every time we go on break, I'm terrified that I'm going to get lost in the hard drive somewhere. I'm super glad that it's working. I feel like this is well, this episode. Like I feel like I'm Tron. A few minutes ago, <laughs> you were like, "The thing that bothers me is this podcast is not as good as the last podcast." And I was like, "Yeah, because we suck worse every time. No one will ever know. <laughs> you won't, you'll never get to glory in how fantastic our our." Uh, the lost episode. That's right. The lost episode. We're called, like Doctor uh, Who. What if we vintage Slumdog? What if we actually <laughs> never? What if we never actually had a podcast or a radio show? And for all of these years, Rob's just been pressing the buttons and pretending, and no Whoa. one's ever heard Lights Camera Cleveland before. I'm kind of for that. <laughs> I, I mean, that would be weird, though. It, That's weird. Really, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't explain all those emails from Davis. <laughs> it wouldn't explain getting fired from the TV show because of your feet. <laughs> Which is not quite actually what happened. Excuse we were me. not but, fired. But that but. is how we are going to say but it from now, on. from now on. Excuse me, sir. Yes. But I noticed that your bare feet would go excellent with some slumdog. <laughs> <laughs> That's the joke from last week that no one, that will, no get. one will get now. Yeah, we made some slumdog millionaire jokes. Maybe the Lord was merciful to us. We we were very uh, funny last week, though, everyone. Just assume that and we can move on. Oh, my alarm's going off. What time is it, Rob? It's time for the big news. This is the part of the the show where I have scoured the interwebs attempting to find all the information and news about everything that's happening and coming up in Hollywood. Yeah. We've looked everywhere. Right. And we've found everything. Yeah. And there is crap this week. <laughs> so much. That's because they're all waiting for last week's podcast. That's right. Mm-hmm. First up, first up, uh, the, the, our first story is called... Uh, um... Something. <laughs> Very impressive. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Sorry. The big news. Did that help? Hold yeah, on. no. The big news. <laughs> how about how about now? I'm just trying to be helpful. I'm All trying right. to get you in the, no, in the zone. Right. Okay, so first story: Darth Vader robs a bank. Yes. You can see why I was having trouble with this one because the truth was a better funny headline than I could come up with, and right, so I was right. struggling. Well, you could be like. Empire doesn't pay well enough. You know, like, you're, there's was, a couple things. I was thinking, like, the bank be with you or something. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Right, right. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, apparently, um, apparently someone dressed up as Darth Vader and robbed a bank in Pineville, North Carolina. Uh, <laughs> Darth Vader had a long rifle and demanded the cash would be handed over to him. The teller... The teller was compelled to to follow his orders. (laughs) He was like, dude, Vader was like, I need you to push the cash in the bag. That's fantastic. And the lady was like, I'll put the cash in the bag. Right. (laughs) I think that's fantastic. No one was hurt. They're saying that, that, uh, that the Sith Lord made away with thousands of dollars. Uh, the robber has not been caught. Um, if you're curious about it, you can go to Cineblend and they have, uh, um, they have photos of him with the gun taking the money from the lady. Right, the, right. Look at this. <laughs> wow, he was pretty legit. He's he was, like for real. He's like full on Vader. Yeah, he was. <laughs> There's what, so much Vader going on. I, what bank was it, you ask? The 501st National Bank? Are you oh! kidding? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Can I 
pretty good song, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, anyway, so uh, so yeah, um, if uh, you are in the Pineville, North Carolina area, be aware there is a Sith Lord on the loose. <laughs> yeah, he is armed and dangerous. <laughs> What's next? Give me something next. Give me something new. Give me more. Give me more. <laughs> can, can you top that? Give me more news. That may be the strongest. Let's just roll. Let's just roll straight into the next Star Wars news. Okay. Uh, rumor is is out. You know, Star Wars Episode Eight. They announced last week was going to be written directed by Ryan Johnson, right? And we are all okay with this because uh, this is the guy who wrote and directed Brick. Yeah, uh, he's fantastic. It will be great. But here's the thing: sources are originally people were saying that Ryan Johnson was going to also do episode nine the last of the new trilogy however inside sources at disney is saying that disney was has become so enamored and impressed with what jj abrams did with the force awakens that they are willing to give him the world for him to come back to direct episode nine okay no word yet for sure that that that's going to happen but that is the uh that is the rumor and this is especially interesting because you know Disney and um Disney and Abrams did not get along real well in the production of the Force Awakens. You know, I mean, he rolled Yeah, but the final products in, what they're going to care about. Right. Exactly. And that's that's overshadowing him being difficult. You know, if it maybe maybe he needed to be difficult. Maybe it yeah. wasn't good. Well, know? and you know, here's the fact. You heard this often from us and from others. When he But was mostly the, from us. Right. That when he was doing the Star Trek stuff, right? Now Star Trek is what? More Star Wars than Star Wars. Right. right? Like he's better at Star Wars. His Star Trek was Star Wars. Right. It was it was it was Star Trek in universe, but it was Star Wars in spirit. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I I could totally see him getting in there and having all this trouble with with the Disney people because they're very specific about their vision and at the end him just being like no, like, I mean, I'm freaking J.J. Abrams. Right. Right? Like, you want this thing to be a roller coaster of fun and frivolity or not? Or you want people to talk about how you blew it? And all they care about is the money. Yeah. If, if, if he has truly brought Star Wars back <coughs> and people freak out over this, forget it. It's great for another hundred years. So there you, you know? have it. Yeah, there you have it. Next up, I know you are, but what am I? Pee-wee's Big Holiday has begun production. Yeah. They started filming yesterday, and uh, Pee-wee Herman himself, Paul Rubens, tweeted a photograph of and it's him brilliant. in costume, sitting in a car, in a Aww. passenger seat. It is very nostalgic and awesome. And adorable. Uh, it's pretty cool. Pee-wee's, Pee-wee's Big Holiday is, uh, you know, it's... It's being written and produced by, of course, Paul Rubens and Judd Apatow. So he's got, like, the cream of the crop wow, helping him out so. with this. And it's going to be a direct-to-Netflix release, uh, though we don't have a re- release date yet. No, I would assume where, sometime early next year. The picture where he's sitting in his car mm-hmm. gave me a look that chills me to this day. <laughs> <laughs> large, I will, yeah, uh, As soon as uh, we... Uh, Save this podcast and are able to put it up for people to actually. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, people hear. can't put up with this. What? <laughs> um, I will put the link up to the Darth Vader and the Pee Wee picture on the Facebook if people want to go see it. Also, links to Slumdog. <laughs> Show them how this goes well with some vintage Slumdog. <laughs> I feel that when you say that, though, when you're done, you have to go. 
like, like fava beans? Yeah, like fava beans. <laughs> I love this with some vintage slumdog. Now we're fully in it. Like, we're fully in the ongoing joke from last week that, that no, no one, one will get. ever get. I'm right. fine with that. I'm fine with that. All right. Uh, next up. You ready for this? Yeah. Okay, next up. News that only Heidi Tompkins will care about. Part one. <laughs> Zach Braff, Josh Hutcherson, and James Franco are uh, now also partnering with Selena Gomez, Vincent D'Onofrio, Ed Harris, Brian Cranston, uh, and Robert Duvall, filming an adaptation of John Steinbeck's novel, In Dubious Battle. <laughs> this, this, novel centers, this, was this novel centers on the struggle between labor and capital in 1930s America, and is, of Thank course, God. based on the, uh, the very old John Steinbeck novel they started filming in georgia am i the only one that's really glad to see hollywood getting back to making the kind of movies that the american public demands i just can't believe that that many (laughs) that many huge names signed on to a steinbeck it's oscar bait you know yeah that's true but it's but this is the king's speech but without all the things that made the king's speech good but it's being and it's being directed by james franco yeah that immediately i'm like no no Do you think there will be a scene in there where all of them say in their best Steinbeckian dialogue, they hate us because we ain't us? I, don't <laughs> I might go see it then. <laughs> Hollywood news that only Heidi Tompkins will care about part two. There's two? There's two. What? Heidi. Ladies and gentlemen, Louisa May Alcott's classic novel Little Women is being remade oh my. by Sony Pictures. Sarah Poli has been assigned to write the film. Uh, the uh, This is being produced by former Sony executive Amy Pascal. And uh, no one knows for sure if Sarah Poli will be directing or not. Um, but uh, she's she has said that she's not even going to consider directing it until she's finished writing it. Fair. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> I'm going to make sure this thing doesn't suck first. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair. Little Women's been remade more than Cinderella. Right. You know, last time it was made was 1994 with uh, Winona Ryder yeah. and Winona. And Christian Bale. Yep. Yeah. And Kirsten Dunst. And Claire Danes. And why Susan do, Sarandon. Why do you sound so mad about this? <laughs> we almost we almost ended up in the slinky sound off. I know. And he's like, but oh, little women. Did you know that? And you know, in 33, Catherine Hepburn made it. And uh, in 1949, Elizabeth Taylor did it. Yeah, well. So it's been around. If it's what you're angry about, you're going to get your chance in a minute. Because when we come back, you're very angry. You're so mad. You're so furious. That, that's just mad face. I'm not, fe- I'm not feeling it. <laughs> you will. You must. Think of the children. I mean, you're telling me that in all of Hollywood right now, there's nothing that's making you mad? It's you. I find this very hard to believe. You don't understand. He's angry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. On lights, camera, Cleveland. Like the incredible Slinky. (laughs) And we're back. 
back, you're losing the lights, camera, Cleveland. It's like he's so mad. His, his anger filleth the room. Like a like a delightful bottle of Slumdog. Did he drink Slumdog? Is that what's going Listen, on? It's time for the slinky sound off AMC Mike. Oh, because I and never actually things... hear him get mad, so this, this is, is new. This is where everything goes goes terribly wrong and yet terribly right. Slinky, we're going to give you 60 seconds to say whatever's on your mind about this cotton-picking industry. Star Wars has announced that they are releasing... Well, Disney has released. They are announced... They are... I'm so mad I can't even talk. Disney has announced that Star Wars is going to have a spin-off film called Rogue One after Episode 7 comes out. And they've decided that apparently Star Wars doesn't need the music of John Williams anymore. What? What? Oh, don't interrupt me. I'm ranting. (laughs) You go. You go, Star Wars Rogue One, coming out on December 16th of 2016, will not feature John Williams doing the music. Instead, it's going to feature music by Alexander Desplat, who is the guy who does the score for all of Gareth Edwards' movies. You know, Gareth Edwards, director of such classics as Godzilla. (laughs) (laughs) Now... I'm so confused right now that I don't even know how to respond. Gareth Edwards is directing Rogue One, and so he's brought in his own personal guy to score the film instead of John Williams. Because, hey, who needs John Williams when you've got the guy who did the the soundtrack stuff for Grand Budapest Hotel? Because we all, that's really what we remember. I'm glad my time is up because otherwise I'd be mad for you talking. I know. It. Well, I was watching. <laughs> I was watching. <laughs> so much anger coursing through his veins. I loved Grand Budapest Hotel, and I thought the soundtrack to Grand Budapest was fine. And did guess what? It ain't no Star Wars. Yeah, but I mean, did you go that soundtrack? Yeah, this dude is so good. Oh, he needs yeah. to replace the things I, I find dear. Yeah, no. Slee, I have to uphold this gripe in the most, uh, in the most, uh, utmost fashion. I mean, can we just say, like, this actually feels like the the worst. WTF, WD. (laughs) It's messed up. I'm very surprised that Disney let him do that, actually. I'm surprised Disney just didn't go, no. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'll say this. There's a while. Look, John Williams, no spring chicken. Right. And maybe at some point Disney decided, you know what? We're going to be making Star Wars movies till the end of time. Right. So maybe John Williams does, does the official episodes right. and doesn't do the spinoff films. And then maybe this decision makes sense. Because at some point he dies. But guess what? I don't live in that world. <laughs> there is no world where John Williams not doing the Star Wars score makes sense to me. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, by going, he's old, wouldn't you want him to do as much as possible then? Yeah, we'll always have Godzilla. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's funny? And Slumdog. You know what's funny is, uh, the soundtrack was almost the only thing decent about Godzilla. (laughs) (laughs) Godzilla was an absolute crap fest. But the, the soundtrack was good. Yeah. So it's not that the guy they hired is not capable. He's just not... It's not right. 
Yeah. This is wrong. Right. This is the wrong thing. Almost as wrong as us going to take a break. But we're still going to do it. We are. Much like Disney, we're going to do it. People are screaming right like, no, don't take a break. We love you so much. <laughs> you might get lost. Never take a break. It's <laughs> not right. Just keep talking. It's not okay. That's right. Well, we've got, we have we're to take a break because we've got some good things coming up. We have, we have, are you ready for this? I'm ready. I'm ready. An extra, I'm ready. An extra territorial film review. Okay. okay. Extra territorial? Yeah. Like, okay. Like okay. it's from another country. Oh. 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 We have a qu- we have a question oh. to answer from AMC Mike Senior. Right. We've got a little segment called We All Saw Exactly the Same Movie, What What? And then we got some reviews, right? And then we've got a preview review. review. Holy cow, and then it's all over. <laughs> At least it's Feel listening to the lights camera Cleveland. Please be right back. You're listening to Lights, Camera, Cleveland. I'm Rob. The Slinky's here. AMC Mike is here. But someone else is here. That's right. This is really exciting because, uh, as you know, we have an international correspondent who sends us criticism of film. That's right. uh, From overseas. In fact, the country is called Sweden. And you know what what most people don't realize about our, our foreign film correspondent is that AMC Mike is their version of this. So, like... He sends us reviews, but AMC Mike sends reviews to Sweden. There's all these people over there that are like, yeah, the AMC Mike. I can't wait. I, I am very popular in or Sweden. you AMC Mike. Yeah, they're crazy for AMC right. Mike over in Sweden. It's true. It's I heard true. there's t-shirts. But over here, there's but one name <clears throat> made of two names <laughs> that creates like our, our, uh, our foreign correspondent, and that is... Carrot cake. Right. And the thing about carrot cake that's important to know is, is it that yummy? because it's Sweden, carrot films do exactly. not always open there the same time they do right. here in the States. So sometimes he sends us reviews of movies that he has seen before they're released here in the States. Uh, like, for some reason, Sweden gets all the Marvel superhero movies a week before we do. Right. Um but uh, sometimes, as is the case today, we'll get a review from a movie that just opened in Sweden, but came out here almost six months ago. Right, right. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, so I guess... I mean, without further ado, right, I'm going to go ahead and give the mic over to Karakik. Karakik, sure. we're glad you're with us, uh, and here we go. This review is for As Above, So Below. An interesting movie about alchemy and and paranormal things. When a group of people go down into the catacombs under Paris. While at times the characters would act unreasonable by taking their shirts off. Oh, it was still somewhat believable, especially with how the environment affect people. Claustrophobia, darkness, drowning, and several other spooky things. Like me, with my shirt off. While the acting is decent, 
it isn't stellar. But the feel of the movie itself manages <laughs> to keep it interesting throughout as the character descend further into the underground world of the catacombs and the mind. <laughs> Very deep. Creepy without needing to rely too heavily on jump scares. While some things might be a bit cheesy, overall, <laughs> it's a worthy movie. Like me, with my shirt off. Thank you, Carrot You know, honestly, wow. he's like a Mexican Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> From Sweden. <laughs> From Sweden. <laughs> uh, oh carrot cake, thank you so uh, much. Um, now, we've got another segment. We're just going to roll right into it. Roll right into it. We're going to roll right into this, which roll is called right into AMC it. Mike's roll Mom right. Asks Us a Question. That's right. Tonight, AMC Mike's Mom Asked Us a Question. Yeah, and we're going to answer this question. So, AMC Mike, what... Is AMC Mike Sr.'s question. Well, well, first of all, I'd like to point out that I'm uncomfortable with the fact that you guys are talking to my mom without me. But uh, here's the question that she sent. Because clearly, you know, you guys... We don't have, have a choice. I'm saying... The people demand. All right, all right, all right. She wanted to know, in the original Exorcist Wait, movie, wait, 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 wait. There's, your mom doesn't have a voice? You're not going to do a voice for your mom? <laughs> No, because in the original Exorcist, <laughs> with my shirt off. Yeah, no, 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 no. Okay. No. All right. No voice this time. All right. No. My my mother um wanted to know in the original Exorcist movie because she apparently just got it on uh the Divida on the Divida, and uh she noticed that in some of the scary parts. <laughs> Uh, there, there was a a flash of a demon face or a monster face or something scary. Yeah. Um, and she is she is fairly certain that uh, in the original theatrical release that those weren't in there. So she wants to know if those were added in when they put it on DVD for everyone to watch. Right. Well, I'll take the beginning part of this and then I'll let Slink hand over the science. Uh, but AMC Mike's mom, the answer is yes. Actually, those little uh, subliminal messages were in the original film, and it's one of the reasons that audiences kept coming out of the theaters back then saying, this is the scariest movie I've ever seen. Now, it was a scary movie. To be fair, no. it was 1973. The last scary yeah. movie that they saw was... Uh, the Odd Couple. Right, <laughs> I was gonna say Wizard of Oz, but you had me. Uh, so, but I, I, I'll I'll say this: it it was a scary movie anyway. But there was a piece of this that was psychological subconscious terror, where people were standing up and walking out at certain parts of the movie. Right, and it was when this was happening, they didn't even know it was happening, and so now I'm gonna let Slinky tell you why they didn't know and why we know today. Well. It's fascinating that you would ask this question with your shirt off. I'm going to no, tell she, you my this. mother, kept her shirt on for this. <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm talking about Slink. Oh well, yeah. I'm talking about Slinky here. That's what I'm talking I about. I thought maybe you. Know, I'm pretty 
sure that in Sweden they all don't wear their shirts at the movie theater? That would so, be incredible. Yeah, so like if we ever go visit... I would never wear my shirt if I didn't have to. I'd go shirtless <laughs> all the time. You know, I do in the summer. Makes it a little awkward at business meetings. Not bad, though. Well, you still, most you're people still wearing me, a tie. Yeah, most people... What is most their people, issue? Most people look at me like uh, they're jealous. Like, like, not jealous of my body, but jealous that I uh, have the courage... To be so leisurely. I thought they maybe were jealous be of so your uh, red furry sweater that you wear all the time. <laughs> Slick, are you ready to talk about this? I am. Okay, so here's the deal. Is that, um, first of all, I, I just want to add note that note. Uh, that that little, the image that specifically, it's a, it's a clown face. It's a scary clown face. Oh, is it? Face. Okay. Yeah. Like white. Right. And this, yeah. this scary, it's called, they call it the skull and, they call it a skull and bones clown. Yes, uh, it's no good. Uh, but the thing is, this actually first appeared in the trailer for The Exorcist. Right. And people saw it and were so terrified by it uh, that, uh, that the trailers were pulled from theaters and replaced by different trailers. And to let you know just how famous this, this image is, AMC Mike's Mom, is that if you Google scary face... It auto populates with from the Exorcist. Nice. Right. So like that's how many people. Right now, here's the thing: the real reason, the main reason why you are able to see it on your home television and not at the movie theaters is this: uh, film television or film and television use different frame rates. Okay. Now, frames rates basically is it's the number of frames per second. Imagine you're looking at a at a film strip. Like just a traditional sort of film strip that you would, you know, project at a movie theater. There's every 24 frames is one second, okay? But now television, television doesn't actually have, technically doesn't have frames. It has a refresh rate, okay? And refresh rates affect your eye differently. But more importantly, the number of refreshes, which is essentially the television version of frames, the frame rate on a television is less. It's like 23 Point nine, as opposed to 24. Uh, it doesn't sound a lot to us when we talk about it, but it's a huge difference to your eyes. And suddenly, where those uh, where those extra frames get like uh, compressed or stretched to to fill the different the different frame rate size, right, right. it causes that that one single frame uh, to to be more noticeable because it's projected. A different number of times in front of your eye, wow. and so I I don't know if that made sense. No, it does made make sense. sense. It does make sense because it's it's kind of technical, but um, basically the real difference is because the the rate at which images refresh on a television screen is not the same as the rate the images refresh on a movie theater screen, and and it's just enough to make your eye catch it. Right and there, we have it. All right. Um, I will say this. Um, this is a. Uh, a little note here regarding that face. The white demon face that we first see in Father Kara's dream sequence, um, which was influenced by the subliminal editing in the Holocaust documentary Night and Fog, was never meant to be used in the film originally. It was an outtake from makeup tests that were performed on Eileen Dietz, which was Linda Blair's body double. But, uh, but Friedkin, the director, had a last-minute inspiration to include it in just a few frames to make it scary. So it was actually originally a body double makeup test. And it just came out so scary. So they said, yeah, and they were like, put this in Done. There. Done. So AMC Mike's mom, 
we hope we've delivered. And we hope you'll keep asking questions, because that's a pretty good segment. I feel like yeah. she asked the questions people want to know. You know, in general. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't well, know. she didn't know either. That's why she asked. Do you want to know what the real, the real news story here is that your mom owns The Exorcist. Right? Right, yeah, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> why why is that a big, big deal? deal? Uh, it's pretty awesome. Well, yeah, it just, it's like that somebody would go get it now. I oh, mean, I can she... understand somebody who had it for a while, but somebody okay. was like, you know what I, have, I don't have in my collection? That exercise. I was just saying, whenever I go to your mom's house, it's always friends on the TV. So, like, I'm <laughs> like... Oh, there's the Exorcist. All right, you know, uh, and and if you watch Friends at a movie theater, there's actually your eyes pick up uh, images um, of Seinfeld. Oh, that's why I don't like it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what uh, is with all these friends? Well, listen, we're going to be back. Speaking of friends, we'll be back. We will be back. I don't Live want anyone from to worry. Central Perk. Right. I don't want anyone to worry that we're not going to be back because we will. That's right. We're going to be back with other stuff. And that's going to happen in a moment after this break. Lights, camera, Cleveland. We're... George A. was at the movies in December 41. They announced it in the lobby. What had just gone on? He drove up from Birmingham back to the family's farm. This week on Twitter, local celebrity screenwriter Travis Beecham said, Isn't the Ghostbusters universe just the universe we live in? Except with ghosts. And that's... Travis Beecham says... And we're back. Yeah, we are. You're listening to Lights, Camera, Cleveland. I am the Hollywood Slinky. With me, as always, is Rob Alderman and AMC Mine. That's me. Well, this is a little part where we do a little segment. That segment is called AMC Mike, Hollywood Slinky, and Rob Alderman all went and saw the exact same movie last week, and now we're going to talk about what we thought of it. The movie was called Cinderella. That's right. That's the title of the segment. The movie was called Cinderella. That's the title of the segment. No, that whole sentence. No, the title was AMC Mike, Hollywood Slinky, Rob Alderman. All went to see the movie last week, and it was the same one. And the title of that film was Cinderella. All right, here's what they thought. I like it. That's a good segment. Yeah, it's a good segment. That one's going to take off. I think so. It's going to take off. I think it's a one-timer. It rolls off the tongue. Well, I went to see this thing opening night, and uh, we we went the next day. There was a lot of uh, young ladies. By young ladies, I mean like five-year-olds through, you know, eight-year-olds dressed in Cinderella dresses. Like that was definitely happening. I don't know if you guys experienced the same. Well, I know that we took our five-year-old and she insisted on dressing like a princess. That's right. There so, you go. I'll tell you why there were so many little kids there. It actually was not for Cinderella. It's because before Cinderella, there is a Frozen short cartoon. There sure is. Yeah, that's what they all went to see. <laughs> like, they went for the Frozen, they stayed <clears throat> for the Cinderella. You know? So, here's the deal, though. What I want to really get into, because we don't have a lot of time, but I just want to get into the fact that uh, AMC Mike and I really hated Cinderella. And you really liked it. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like to maybe just, like, touch on... Uh, you know, what and we up, had different expectations what going up with in that? that you guys thought you would like it and I thought I would hate it. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think that might say a lot as to 
Right? You know, like a lot of times, like what we think we're going into has a big... Clearly it was not what we thought. Right. Has a huge impact. Like, I just straight up thought I would hate it. And then, like, the pieces that I found really nice, like, like, for me... Let's just say real quick, uh, spoiler alert, uh, but... Not because if you don't know the story of Cinderella, well, at we're not going to try to protect spoilers here, right? Like, like, well, and like, more importantly, if you don't know the story of Cinderella, you are literally five years old and right. shouldn't be listening to a podcast without your parent. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because yeah. we say dirty words like poo. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes we do? Travis shut up. Travis, oh, I hate that's, that's not another nice. dirty word. That is not nice. You I know. Say that. <laughs> so yeah, no, we're not going to try to protect spoilers, right? From Spencer, right? Because here's the deal: the truth is that this Cinderella film really is by the numbers the Cinderella story. So no spoilers to be had because we've all seen it told a dozen times. Yeah. Uh, here, I guess what you want to start with: why you hated it. Sure, I can. You know, I'll tell why I liked it. Ultimately, I think, uh, and AMC Mike, you can add to this your thoughts as well. But ultimately, I think that the problem with the film really lied with Kenneth Branagh. Um, He directed this film like a Shakespearean play, and unfortunately, it it like it was slow paced, it was boring, and the greatest crime of all was that Cinderella. The movie Cinderella was completely devoid of wonder. No, it wasn't completely devoid. There's like there a minute. Like there's like five a, minutes. Right, five minutes of Helena Bonham Bonham Carter playing the fairy godmother, yep. doing some magic, and then it's over, and it goes back to being dull again. Now it did some things great, like uh, you and I talked at lunch, Rob, about the fact that it does a tremendous job of making it so that. You really understand the stepmother. Many of the characters. Yeah, and you discover... like Her in particular. Yeah, you discover the stepmother's really not to blame for her evilness. It's really more the, the more Cinderella's father's fault in some yeah. ways. Yeah. But you never quite come to hate the stepmother. You really just feel bad for her mm-hmm. the whole time. You feel sorry for her. And, you know, I, I say kudos for pulling that off. Yeah. That was really great. But... Ultimately, though, I, I was just, it was boring. Okay. And what about you, AMC Mike? Um, yeah, it, it was boring. I mean, some of the side characters were really nice. You know, like, I actually really liked the stepsisters a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, visually, they were very fun. I think there were a couple points in the movie that, you know, like, uh, <clears throat> especially, like, costume design was really nice. But then they would never, like, let you really focus on it. Like, at the very end, her, her wedding dress is gorgeous. Yeah. And, yeah. but they don't let you look at it. Ashley talked about that. Ashley was like, I wonder how many, I wonder how many of these women we're going to see get married in that bride Right, dress, except right? for probably not, because it, it was literally for, like, five seconds. Like, you, like, if they're going to give you this gorgeous dress, let us see the gorgeous dress. And and they did it. And I really disliked the fact that it felt like the movie was way more interested in nodding the old Cinderella movie. Like, it, it kept going right up to the edge of the Cinderella movie and then going, well, we don't want it to be too cartoony, so we're going to name the mice, but not let the mice really do anything. You know what? If you're going to have Gus Gus, I want to see Gus Gus. I wanted the songs. 
I, you know, I, I wanted to see Cinderella, and this just felt like an adult Cinderella. It was kind of meh, and I would have rather just watched Ever After again with Drew Barrymore. Which does have wonder. Yes, so much wonder. I don't compare the two. I guess to start my part of this is to let me say, like, I liked Ever After just fine, um, and I don't compare the two. One of the things that we were talking about going into this movie was whether or not there needed to be a remake. Remember, and I said, yeah. I think there does need to be a remake, but I don't think it's for me. Remember? Like, yeah, like yeah. That, and, and I'll say that piece of it is where I thought it it um, succeeded spectacularly, right? Like, in terms of, like, saying, we're going to tell the story of Cinderella... And we're going to do it utilizing, like, new technology, camera, actors, right? Like, like as far as that goes, like, I found it to be, I guess, I guess this is where we part. Like, I found it to be, like, so much less boring than the cartoon, right? And I said that last time we talked about, like, mm-hmm. the cartoon is my least favorite Disney cartoon, right? Um, Have you not seen Alice in Wonderland? So, I've seen it. <laughs> no, I've right? seen it. Well, no, no, listen, this is my opinion. Sure. It's my opinion. Um, and I, and I like Snow White. That's what I'm saying. And I do not think Snow White is nearly as boring as Cinderella. I think Cinderella is okay. Right? Like, so when I say it's my least favorite, I'm not even saying I hate it. I'm just saying as far as Disney classic cartoons, it is my least favorite. Um, so, so going into it that way, like for me, almost everything I would say about the movie would be. Like, the opposite. Like, this is one of those rare times where we fall on completely opposite coins. Like, first of all, I thought that it felt like a Shakespearean production, which is what I liked about it. I felt like one one piece of it is the actors really gave... Like, like there were some places in the movie where the father character in particular, the prince uh, character in particular, could have really phoned it in. Like, they didn't have to be as good as they were your main characters like the two sisters the stepmother and cinderella all gave great performances they were all very very realistic now the one thing that you're talking about is the wonder right and it didn't even occur to me that it was missing which doesn't mean it was there like i'm not saying right right, right? so so let me you're say just this. saying you were satisfied enough in other yeah. ways to not I, notice right. let me say this i went with my wife right so I'll, I'll say about, you know, our our daughter Sarah also saw the movie, not with us. <laughs> and she said she never wanted to see it again. And we were watching it, and there would be these moments, like, like during the, when the stepmother, or during when the fairy godmother was turning the pumpkin into the carriage, right. and like, all that stuff. And, or, or, like, goodness, when, when Cinderella gets to the ball. And everybody, like, you know, that's Sarah's dream world. Right. Walking into a room and everyone freezes mm-hmm. and looks at her. Right. And that, and, and side note, that scene was my favorite in the movie because it was almost a frame-for-frame frame recreation of Cinderella. Sure. The dance. Like, I, I couldn't believe Branagh went to that extreme to say, I'm going to frame this scene out. The hand, the hand motions. Like, I was like... Right. How they even do that? Right? They, that was yeah. incredible. They did. Um, they did much of the dance. And so, right. And so, um, but so Sarah comes home, and we're thinking like she's going to say how much she loved it, mm-hmm. and she says, "I don't ever want to see it again." And uh, Ashley says, "Why?" And she said, "I her mommy dies, and I don't ever want you to die." 
And then she said, and the prince's daddy dies. And so, like, you know what? What's really funny about that is Dakota. You know, she, she couldn't she's fine. bear this idea. She actually, in the middle of the movie, she she was sitting in my lap, and she leaned over to me and she goes, "Why is everyone dying?" Right. So and, you know, and I mean, and when you the, think about like the Cinderella's source mom, material, Cinderella's right, dad, like, the prince, the right, king, right. So like when you think about like the source material of this movie, like when you go back to the original story and you think, right, like it was actually really bleak. Like in the original story. The sisters cut their own yeah, toes off yeah. to try to fit in, right? Right. So, like, this was the interesting thing about why I can say I liked it so much. I was not there with a child. And the only time I heard anything were when the children were happy. Right. So, like, we would only hear little girls go, oh, her dress. Right. Or little girls you go, weren't oh. Tending, like, you were I tending. Wasn't, to... I wasn't tending to a child that was whispering in my ear, like, his daddy or that was or that was like fidget, fidgeting and wanting to move around right, because they right. were bored. That wasn't yeah. happening, does right? So, so when I say I, I really liked it, I have to be honest and say, like, kind of in a selfish way. So, like, the experience that I had was so different than your experience because I went with an adult and saw like an adult retelling of this film and at that it had nuance it had right. the stepmother being more than that it had the father as a villain right like, and, we, know, and we agree yeah. on those things right and so and so like <clears throat> it, it it totals out to be such a different experience because I dislike the cartoon so, so maybe the answer is you know, take your kid to see the Frozen cartoon and, and then, then go ahead go home right yeah yeah and, or go with your I'll husband admit, or like, wife and don't take the kid I'll, right I'll admit that during the Frozen cartoon at the beginning which was of course well done because that's what right. they do yeah like like the theater was alive uh huh it was crazy the kids were going Berserk. And you yep. didn't really notice that that stopped. Right. Because right. you didn't have a kid sitting right. next to you. Yeah. And so, like, my, my point is, if you were to take away the things you think the movie's supposed to do, okay, and just judge it as a movie, which is what I was able to do, as a movie, if we'd never had another Cinderella, we'd watch this movie and go, man, those are some solid performances. The script is really tight. The visuals are gorgeous. The soundtrack is nice. Like, and, right. and like, I don't need the whole thing to be like I didn't need Gus Gus to be all like Cinderella. Well, like I didn't right. need it. But I think you but know? what I think Nancy Mike was getting at was that though they go so painfully out of their way to point it to out, have her name the mouse Gus Gus, and to give him the same like because you know Gus He's Gus portly. Was, he was the portly mouse. Well, and, and the what was the other Angeli or the, yeah, the girl they, mouse? Like she named yeah. them all. And, she, and, yeah. and they go to such length to do it, but then they are never really. That's it. You know, like... It, it... It... That... Bothered me... Only right in the middle during the dressmaking scene. Yeah, because right. it's like they were helping, but not right. really. Like, like it's that, like... I'll what? admit that that part I thought was yeah. thin, and I was like, this is a poor editorial decision, right? Sure. You know what? It felt like it they felt were like they missing... they came alive when they were opening the window. Yeah. It felt like they filmed other scenes and, and cut them. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, so, and, you know, here's, and, and the other thing I was going to say was, like, I didn't recall that the doormen were made of lizards, which maybe they are in the cartoon, I, but it was kind of unnerving. Yeah. So here's the... the I had two other thoughts that I want to bring up, but there, I don't... Direct. I, I don't want to directly associate one necessarily with the film because it's an expectation based on external things. Okay, 
But, but the first thing that bothered me was that at the end of the film, they go through such pain and care to make sure that we see that, you know, there's this whole theme of Cinder with Cinderella. There's this whole theme of like showing kindness, right? right yeah. And they go way out of their way to sh- and courage. Courage and kindness. They go way out of their way so that as Cinderella is being taken away by the prince at the end of the film, she looks at the stepmother and in what is really her moment of greatest courage and greatest kindness, she forgives her. She forgives the stepmother and then she leaves. And then – and that moment is is wonderful and powerful and says says everything about all the themes of the movie. Yes. And then three seconds later – the closing narration says... It's the... You're right. Says, but it didn't matter because they threw her out of the kingdom. Yep. And it was like, whoa, 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 yeah, whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa, yeah, whoa. Yeah. Let me tell you, you forgave something. her. Yeah. As you... much as I liked this movie, that was a failure of epic proportions. Yes. It ruins it was like, what they have just spent two hours, two hours teaching the audience. Teaching you this great lesson. Like, and they knocked it out of the park. But, but more importantly... Teaching your little girl, right. teaching That's your children these say. things, and, and, they, and, then they, and they nail because, it. They kick listen, it out of the if park. If they didn't get the whimsical wonder you wanted, they sure as heck got the kindness. Because yes. this yes. woman goes yes. through every horrible thing and handles it with kindness and sweetness and courage. And then, and then the end, they it was just like, pee it away. They literally say. Cinderella might have forgiven them, <laughs> but they were banished forever. Forever yeah. and like, ever. So guess what? Your kindness doesn't matter right. because the person who needs to be redeemed and who's given this brilliant performance of, of being such a torn character is Audi. Yep. And then the other... They might as well have shown the toes getting chopped off. Right. Yeah. Right? Now, and now and here's... It was dark to say that. Here is the like, criticism... I didn't, like I didn't like it at all. Here's the criticism that I want I'm treated... Brought up I want this that. treated as external to the criticism of the film, okay? Because I don't think this is a... This is a... Well, you'll understand. Okay. Okay. I'm listening. The original cartoon... Yeah. Cinder... You know, the castle that becomes Cinderella's castle at the yeah. end, right? Yeah. That castle has become iconic for Disney. Yeah. It is at the center of the Magic Kingdom. You know, it's at the it's built it's their in logo. their theme park yeah. and it's Walt Disney Pictures logo at right. the beginning yeah. of the film. Yeah. So literally it, the movie opens with an image of Cinderella's castle. I mean it says Walt Disney Pictures beneath it, but it's Cinderella's castle and at the end or midway through when they go to the dance at Cinderella's ball it's not it's not that castle instead it's a castle it doesn't even look like it's not even of that renaissance english design mm-hmm. instead it looks like a middle eastern castle yeah it did with flat domes and flat roofs and and that was something that i don't believe we should hold directly against the movie because it's not i mean it's only a criticism because of what cinderella's castle is but it felt like kind of an odd art choice to be yeah. made by a Walt Disney film. Yeah. Let's make Cinderella and not use her castle. That is iconic. Especially yeah. since they used Gus Gus. They you, you like right. they, they even gave the stepsisters the wacky hair. Yeah, that it the, was that was just I thought that was a really strange art direction choice. It is okay. strange. I'll I'll just be honest and say it got past me. Yeah. I mean I, I well, didn't know you, know, I don't yeah, think, you know what? I didn't notice it either until you just but, said that. But and as now I that said, I, yeah. I don't think it's something to necessarily what hold I do against the film. Was being just, so impressed 
Like, like I remember thinking, boy, they really found a cast. Like, <laughs> like that was like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, right. Because, you know, it does that drone shot over the top wall where everybody's coming into the ball. Right. You really get an idea of, like, it's, this thing filled with people. And I was like, well, yeah. King knows how to throw him a shindy. Right, right. Right. But it's just kind of an unusual choice to Fair. not use Cinderella's castle. Fair. But And in other news, I actually took a picture of you arguing about the castle in front of the castle. <laughs> like I thought, oh, that's great! Like, like I'm sure you're wondering, like, why I was taking a picture of you while you're talking. Uh, no, I, I knew. So, I looked up, and you've got this poster of Cinderella's castle on your wall, right? And like, I was thinking, right, it didn't look like that at all. No, nope. so. <laughs> no, just kind of strange. So, anyway, yeah. uh, so and, and for a guy go. and for Kenneth Branagh to recreate so many of the scenes, yes. exactly from the cartoon, to not use to not that. Use that's, that's weird. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Anyway, there you have it. Yeah. Uh, so this thus ends the segment. AMC Mike, Hollywood Slinky, and Rob Alderman all went to see a movie, and it happened to be the same film, and that film's title was Cinderella, and now they talk about it segment. We'll be right back with a segment that has a much shorter title. Here's the Lights, Camera, Cleveland. We're going to take you up to McNary County, Tennessee. Back in the days when Sheriff Buford Pusser ran things around there. Sheriff Buford Pusser is trying to clean up McNary County, Tennessee. And we're back. You're listening to Lights Camera Cleveland. I'm the Hollywood Slinky. Sitting across from me, AMC Mike. And to my right, Rob Alderman. And do you want to know what time it is? I do. Do you want to know what time it is? Yes. Do you want to know what time it is? I do. It's time for the preview. This is the part of the show where we tell you what movies you should see this weekend that are st- that are coming out. Uh, without having seen them. Heck yeah, we do, because we're experts at the previews. Do not try this at home, but we have watched all the previews, all the interviews, read the articles, and we're about to tell you whether or not you should see it or not. Uh, That's right. And and the first one that we're going to talk about uh, is called Do You Believe? Starring Mira Sorvino and Sean Astin. Um, So let me just read it to you here. When a uh, pastor is shaken to the core by the visible faith of an old street corner preacher, he's reminded that true belief always requires action. His response ignites a faith-fueled journey that powerfully impacts everyone it touches. Genre, drama. This is from the same. This is from the same folks that uh, make all the Kirk <laughs> Kirk Cameron films, and they did. Uh, um, God is de- God is not dead. God's not dead, and the one about the fireman. Yeah. Um, here's the, the thing. Prom- the promise dare. Yeah. Or something like that. Here's the thing: is I think that it's awesome that this church is is so successful in making these independent films. They get some crazy huge actors they for sure these do. movies now. Like they're really come. They've really come a long way. Think about this one in particular: Mira Sorvino, Sean Astin, Ted McGinley, Sybil Shepherd. Lee Majors, Delroy Lindo, like, I mean, like, and Brian Bosworth. And Brian Bosworth. (laughs) Um, But here's the thing, like, for all of that effort, the failure that they have is they don't spend any money on a screenwriter. And so the stories they tell are are great. The stories are are moving and inspiring in a faith way. But... The dialogue all sounds like it was written by a two-year-old. And so they're like, I am a believer in God. This is how real people talk. No, it's not. And so the problem for me with these movies, with all of their films, is that just 
uh, it doesn't matter how good of an actor you are. If yeah. the dialogue is written poorly, there's no right. way to deliver it well. And for that reason, it, it, they're hard for me to watch, and so I have to hate it. AMC Mike? Hate it. I just... This is not my type of movie. It's, uh... It, it, the, the, the trailer just felt Kirk Cameron-y. And the word you're looking for is preachy. Preachy, yeah, and I'm yeah. preachy is not the way I, I, I like my religious movies. If I'm gonna watch a relig- religious movie, I'm gonna watch Ten Commandments or something like that. I, I don't like preachy <laughs> stuff like that. Ten Commandments is a little preachy. <laughs> yes, but it's, it's a biblical narrative. It's yeah. A yeah, narrative. that's completely different though. I don't yeah. I just I don't like this type of movie and, and it also just doesn't look good on top of yeah. my preference. Growing up. Growing up as we did in the burbs of Chicago, like most of the Christian people around that joint in our growing up years, we listened to Booty or Moody. I almost said Booty. Booty. Yeah. <laughs> we listened to a Moody Bible Radio, right? And Moody on Saturdays would play kids shows, and I remember I used to listen to. They would do these like radio melodramas, and uh, you know, the every time this this group puts out a film, I feel like I'm. Having the unfortunate, <laughs> the unfortunate experience of having to see with my eyes what was actually really fun to seven-year-old me, right? <laughs> so, like, like the melodrama of it all doesn't play to screen like it did when I was a kid. Like right. when I was a kid and I was listening to it on the radio, like this would be cool. You ready, man? You're going down the wrong path, <laughs> and if you don't get right, right with Jesus, something's wrong. Man, yeah, it just feels like, like that's they made the way a they movie. Deliver, like it every feels, line, it feels like they made a movie out of a track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and just yeah. the, there's just something about seeing like like McGinley or like Sean Astin, right? I'm sitting there through this whole trailer, and I'm like thinking, now by the, when Sean Astin gets here, it's gonna shape up. Yeah, it's right? got like, to. Like it's gonna be good. Lead us like, home, Samwise. Right, lead like, us like, home, I'm sitting, like, Rudy. Rudy, Rudy, <laughs> right? It's Raphael, and so, come on. So you know what he's capable of. And it goes into this, he's a doctor in a doctor's office, and the very first thing he says is, I don't believe in miracles. Just like that. Like, And I'm like, how'd they make you bad? Like, how'd they get you to deliver? <laughs> it's, all, it's not real, Rhonda. None of it can be real. Like, no, Sean, what do you do? What happened? It's like, if you can make Sean Astin bad... You've done something, yeah, horrible, yeah. That takes I give a it a cer- hate. That takes a certain set of skills. Next up, right? Yeah, yeah. I give it a hate. And you know what they say: three hates do not make a great. That's true. Next up, the gunman, Sean Penn, starring Sean Penn, um, and Idris Elba, who doesn't get a top billing like he should. But I thought we should tell people out there that he's in it because enough people like Idris Elba. Uh, the gunman, new action thriller from Pierre Morel, the director of Taken. Stars Sean Penn, Javier Bardem, Idris Elba, and its genre is action suspense. And this is the story of a man who was involved in, like, a military operation years ago. Now he wants out. But are they going to let him? No. Not without a struggle. AMC Mike, what do you give it? This feels like they took scripts from, like, every, like, dark action movie <coughs> army thing in the past 20 years put it in a blender and pulled out the same taken type of movie 
but with a military and his wife was kidnapped. I, I hate it. There's there was nothing. It might have great acting, but it just the the story doesn't appeal to me. I think that what AMC Mike was trying to say is that it feels like the least interesting part of a bunch of films we've seen before. Yep. All assembled, featuring an actor, Sean Penn, who is only really interesting in gritty dramas and not action films. And so, and and so, I pretty much agree with her. What? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not a. I. I don't see Sean Penn being effective in this kind of movie because he just isn't um, dynamic enough. Well, he's in dynamic his because he's always just angry. That's the only thing he is. I'm. So I'm gonna hate it. I'll yeah. tell you this. I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a. I thought it was interesting, but I'm not going to see it. So, which is technically a hate. First of all, I thought it was cool that they only did a minute 30 trailer, okay? And they did well with it. The trailers cut well. You, you really get an idea of what's going on. Um, number two, it felt refreshing to see Sean Penn in that role instead of Liam Neeson. <laughs> okay, that's and, fair. And that's fair. in that moment is when I realized, oh, I'm disappointed, right? So, like, I'm watching the trailer. <laughs> I'm watching the trailer, and I'm liking it, Right? It's cut well. Idris Elba looks all Idris Elba-y. You know, welcome to the Shatterdome. And he's, you know, he's doing his thing and like, um, and Sean Penn's doing his I'm an angry man thing. But he also did something in that trailer that you may notice that is the other thing he does well. In the trailer, they do show the moment when he realizes his wife has been taken. And he shatters. Right? Right. No one does that like Sean Penn. Like, these moments of actual grief. Right? Liam Neeson's daughter gets taken. Don't worry, I'll find you. Right? Like, like uh, somebody in the Born Identity messes with, uh, you know, Matt Damon's whatever. <laughs> you know, you know. don't worry, I'm going to get you out. Somebody takes Sean Penn's wife and it's like, oh my God. Like, right? Like, right. It's, like it's horrific, right? So that reminded me of, like, what he's capable of, right? These gritty dramas yeah. that you talked about. And I was like, whoa, this is different. And then I realized, no, it's just the same with one good scene. Right. And that bummed me out. So I give it a, I give it a, the trailer was good, but I got to give it a hate. Yeah. Last up. Last up is the one none of, oddly, we had never seen before. Uh, Danny Collins starring Al Pacino and Annette Bening. Inspired by a true story, Al Pacino stars as aging 1970s rocker Danny Collins, who can't give up his hard-living ways. But when his manager, Christopher Plummer, uncovers a 40-year-old undelivered letter written to him by John Lennon, he decides to change course and embarks on a heartfelt journey to rediscover his family, find true love, and begin a second act. And I think it's important to note that one of the big selling points of this film is that because there's a reference to John Lennon, it uses only John Lennon music. Rob, what do you think? Well, here's where I go out on a limb and say I must be getting older because I thought it looked pretty good. (laughs) Uh, Most in particular, what I liked was the fact that it was, you know, I want to say this. Everyone, every actor makes this movie. Annette, the Annette Bennings of the world and the Al Pacinos of the world are superstar movie-making people. We saw this happen six years ago or so with Robert De Niro, which makes sense because he's a little bit older than Al Pacino. Right. 
right? Yeah. So it's, um, it's the obligatory. Pacino has reached his De Niro. It's the obligatory fifty-five-year-old uh, actor and actress. Uh, Finding yourself movie. Right, yeah, and, and saying, okay, we I used to be this tough guy, but like I can't ever be that now because it wouldn't be genuine on screen, right? Somebody would just beat me up. Right. Right? So instead, what am I going to be? And I have to say, if you're going to make that movie, which someone does every year, this one looked better than most of them. Right. To me. Like, Annette Bening and Al Pacino both have way more than enough cred for me Nobody has to sell me on their performances ever, 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 ever. They looked like they had genuine chemistry. And also, it's kind of a neat story to see him be that over the top because he does that well. Like, yeah. he does being over the top very, very well. Um, I'm giving it a great, and I actually think I'll go see it. Like, I, like it, it's the right movie. I, I think I'm interested to watch him pass gracefully into the next part of his career, right? He's given a lot to me particularly because I love mob movies. So, I'll give it a great. AMC Mike? Well, um, I'm, I'm not a big uh, mob movie fan. So, like, he doesn't have that immediate, like, get out of jail free card for me in movies. Uh, but this movie looks brilliant. It, it, in, in the, in the trailer, it felt like it had so much heart. It really did. Yeah, like like you know, like by the end of the trailer, you're going, "Oh, I hope that his family all gets they work this out and they can be a family." <laughs> and like as an artist, even uh, like like my like I I felt like this the swell of what would I do if someone that you admired as an artist like twenty years ago had written me a letter telling right. me to keep going. Right. And you didn't get it like like there there's that bittersweet moment of yeah. that's brilliant that he got that letter, but it could have changed everything and he didn't get it. But it's changing him now. And so I'm I'm grading it. I think it's gonna be awesome. I was particularly, particularly fascinated by by the dialogue of this trailer. Um, not just right. it, it's written. Okay, now <clears throat> you're gonna like think opposite. You're gonna think movie. curse. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna think curse words. Don't think curse words. Think everything else. But it was written like a Tarantino yes, scene. It was like. And didn't you think it was brilliant the way they sort of self-referenced it? Right. When he goes, we've got our banter. Like, like he references the fact yeah. that we're good at this. Right. Like, you know, it's uh, the, it felt like a Tarantino dinner scene, like like he does. You know, yep. except without the cussing or yeah. it being yeah. offensive. No, no, Finger you're, you're dead on. But you're dead on. Every yes. every piece of dialogue immediately popped into the next one to the point where they were almost talking over one another, but the dialogue was written so believably that they weren't talking over one another. They were they were. Bonding and bantering. Yeah, they were actually like, having a conversation. Like real people. Yeah. And so the dialogue was fascinating to me in this trailer. And I, for that alone would grate this movie yeah, for me. Right, yeah. uh, and, and then on top of that, I would actually add a sprinkling of everything that the two of you said. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's great. And I think that the most sad part about it all is that this movie is apparently being terribly undermarketed. Right. Yeah, we yeah. didn't tell it was coming. We were like, what is what is this? Yeah. Right? It was we weren't even gonna put it on the list. Speaking of having review. no idea what something is, yeah. that brings us to an end of Lights Camera Cleveland <laughs> episode one point 
five? I think that's true. <laughs> I think that's so, uh, you know, I've had a good time redoing the podcast. You, guys had a good time? <laughs> you know, uh, and we're going to try to edit this one with uh, no corrupt files. And and if everything goes okay, you will hear from us every two weeks. Yeah, that's what we're hoping. So every two weeks, we'll give you another loving dose of this little love, little dose of the slum dog. <laughs> See what I did there? I brought it back around. So, until next time, I'm Rob and I love movies. I'm AMC Mike and I love movies. And I'm the Hollywood Slinky and I love movies. Let's, Let's all, all love movies, movies together. together. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Lights, Camera, Cleveland are those of Rob, the Slinky, AMC Mike, and no one else. Except for me, with my shirt off. I mean, that's pretty true. <laughs> he's, not, he's really not wearing a shirt. Ever. Ever. It's a little gross. That's not true. It's a gross national product <laughs> of Sweden. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's macroeconomics. Mr. Phillips found old Johnny Cash and he was high High before he ever took those pills Music for today's podcast provided by the Drive-By Truckers from their album, The Dirty South Yeah, I just said The Dirty South You've been listening to Lights, Camera, Cleveland He ain't no Johnny Cash Mr. Phillips was the only man that Jerry Lee still would call sir. Then I guess Mr.